the boundary is I'm not here to, you know, to let you, to force you to, to think the way I think, like, good mm. luck. I need to focus my energy on somebody who actually is hungry for growth. Everything is possible, just hustle, just hustle. The Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, where we keep it real, I state in entrepreneurship wisdom. Learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. Here's your host, Billy the Kid, aka Billionaire. Everything is possible, just hustle, just hustle. Everything is possible, just hustle. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby. It is your boy, Billy the Kid, a.k.a. BDK. Wow, wow, wow. I just got off doing an interview, doing the podcast, doing this episode with such an amazing woman. I am not going to give you the name just yet. I am not going to give you uh, too much just yet because um, this episode, I mean, wow. Like talk about uncomfortable conversations, guys, and that's what we're having in the Million Dollar Hustle podcast. You're going to learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. Again, think like a millionaire. We are inviting real-time multi-millionaires, billionaires to the show to give you game. And guys, the thing is, you have to become a different person to get to that milestone. And even above that milestone... It is good for your subconscious mind to listen to repetition. I'm a student at heart. Any events that I go to or pod, like even if I've heard it before, I'm not just like, oh, I've heard that before. Nope, never. You have to listen. That is how you help your subconscious mind. But today's episode, wow. Uh, before we get to that episode, can't wait. Um, make sure you guys leave me a five five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google, wherever it is that you're listening. And also a comment if you can. I know Spotify, I believe, only allows you to leave a five-star review or however many stars. Uh, but on YouTube as well, drop me a comment. Let me know what you're thinking, guys. Uh, how can we serve better? That's what we're here to do with the Million Dollar Hustle is we're here to serve you. So any suggestions, any guests that, that we can uh, invite or what can we do better, please uh, drop a comment. Message me on Instagram at Billy the Kid. Uh, we just want to serve better. So that is growth. We just want to grow and we can't do it without you listening. Also screenshot, wherever it is that you're listening to screenshot, uh, share it and tag me and the guest. Um, uh, if you haven't yet, grab a copy of the power of being uncomfortable. It is out everywhere. Audible version is actually out as well. The audiobook. Uh, I always get reminded by my people to remind you guys that there is an audio version as well. The power of being uncomfortable different and people love it. Uh, it gets you out of bed. I'll tell you that. Um, or gets you out of the couch. Uh, and if you want an autographed copy, billythekid.com. So it'll get you out of the couch. What I was saying was it'll get you out of the couch to pursue your dreams. Um, otherwise I'm, I'm dropping a lot of music this year. Uh, I'm doing some Spanish stuff. I'm doing, uh, all, all kinds of stuff, uh, English. And so if you, if you're looking for that motivational music, go to Spotify, go to Apple music, uh, anywhere music is available, Pandora and check out my music, Billy the kid. But, uh, with that being said, guys, uh, locally, anybody out there, uh, listening, I know, thank you to those who listen locally. I, I truly appreciate your support. Um, it, we're looking for deals, real estate deals. So please let me know what you guys have. Uh, also if you have 
any deals that you're looking for a partnership, uh, please let me know. We could partnership. We could partner with uh, lending you for the real estate deal that you have, or uh, anywhere else. Uh, but just message me. Um, let's uh, let's let's do this together, man. Let's get let's take over. So, uh, I think that is all I got, guys. Uh, I'm not gonna speak too much today. Um, uh, overall, uh, I'm just uh, I'm sorry. I'm just like ready to dive into this great, uh, episode. Uh, but overall, I just want to let you guys know that, um, the, uh, depending on when this, uh, comes out, we did go under contract finally with, uh, one of our, um, uh, it flips that we were mentioning on, on a couple episodes before, but anyways, um, I'll see if, uh, later I, share numbers or give you guys some lessons because every, every, uh, thing that you, that we do guys, uh, you have to go in there knowing like, what can I learn out of this? And so that, that is definitely, uh, every project that we get into, but, uh, everything else is great. We we're planning my daughter's quinceanera. She just turned 15. I don't know if by the time this airs, um, it, it might already be close to the quince, but, uh, we got the dress ready. I, I can't wait to share pictures and, uh, we're probably gonna do a vlog and just kind of show you guys. Uh, so follow me on YouTube. Um, uh, so that way you guys could stay updated, but, uh, honestly guys, uh, I just, I'm just ready to dive in. Uh, with that being said, today's episode is best selling author, uh, January Donovan. She literally, Oh my God. She, she's such a great person, such a great leader. Uh, and, and it's funny cause I could go on and say such a great mom, such a great wife, such a teacher. Like there, there's some coach, like there's so many different ways that she is great. And we, we've talked about it even, um, just how important it is to to teach people, right? Like those of you who are listening, if you want to join the Get Uncomfortable Mastermind, please email info at billythekid.com. All the people in the Mastermind, shout out to everybody in there. They Their life has changed. Also, I'm still doing one-on-one coaching. So if that is something that you're interested in, please let me know. Um, I'm only doing a couple at a time. Uh, and, and again, I don't know how long I will be doing the one-on-one coaching, but... Um, if you are interested, uh, now is the time info at billythekid.com. And we talked about how important that is. And this lady is such a great teacher. Uh, it was so phenomenal, guys. Uh, I, you know what? I'm just going to stop talking because uh, I'm so excited for, for her to just deliver the greatness that she did. And with that being said, guys, here is January Donovan. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby, where you, my friend, are going to learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. And when I say think, literally, you're going to learn because it is a skill that you have to have in order to get to that milestone. But I am super excited today. Uh, we This is our second time that we tried to log in, but we did it. I have January, January Donovan on the other end. How are you doing, January? Thank you for oh. taking the time. Of course. I'm so grateful. And I love actually your tagline. It's like millionaire, but hustle. Think like a millionaire <laughs> and hustle like you're broke. <laughs> I love it. I think that's a great dichotomy. So uh, that's you. what you have to actually do. So that's a great way you appreciate it together. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I'm super excited because I am surrounded by women, uh, single mom, uh, three sisters, my wife, two daughters, the list goes on. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to 
to hear a little feedback, a little uh, education. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and there's so many people out there. And I'm very passionate when it comes to women uh, being equal and all that. So I'm, I can't wait to dive in. But before we dive in, I yeah. would love to hear your story. Uh, I know you're from the Philippines, but if you could give us a quick bio of uh, where you're from and kind of how you got to where you're at. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. Um, so I grew up in, in the Philippines and my first recollection was living in the slums of the Philippines and I loved it. I felt as though it was rich with conversation, food, it was full of life. And my parents were entrepreneurs. And so they worked their way out of the slums all the way to the Philippines. They built a business in the Philippines, but they came here for a better world, right? The American dream started as housekeepers, landed with a very generous entrepreneur who kind of adopted our family. And so I came here at 11 years old. Um, you know, but as an immigrant family, I think my parents, they were focused on obviously trying to survive, trying to figure out a way of life. And so, so much of the mindset training, um, or skill set building, it was sort of like you figure it out on your own, which in some ways it's great and it's not great. You know, um, to me, I've benefited a lot from the fact that I really had to hustle um, in my life. So I um, started out learning about, um, you know, the concept of designing yourself as a woman as a freshman year in college where I felt broken. You know, you've got kind of preteens or maybe preteens going in 21. So you understand you know, I would say the journey of learning to discover who you are as a woman. And so no, because I didn't feel like I had enough guidance on who I was, who I wanted to become. I suffered for it. And not because I was a bad kid, because I didn't know how nobody showed me how. And so I spent my freshman year in college, I met a mentor who said, January, do you know what kind of woman do you want to be? And I remember laughing, Billy, I'm like, you don't have a choice, you know? Um, and she said, let's design you. So for three and a half years, I met with her every single month. And she trained me with mindset and skill set, and it's changed my life. And so I've spent really um, most of my life, 20 plus years, sort of training women to design who they want to become, um, focusing on mindset and skill set. So it's been my heart, my my life's work, my passion. And to be sincerely honest with you, when I first did this work, I, I, I the idea of building a business and making money was out of my radar because I was passionate about it. It was a mission work in a sense that it was sort of my passion, but I never thought of building a business. And I remember I would train, I would give webinar, I would train one-on-one. And my husband one day said I had four kids under four at that time. And I loved it, but I did everything for free. So I trained one for free for 15 years, didn't make a dime. And my husband said, do you want to reach thousands or millions? Mm. And at that moment, Billy, I realized that I was inhibited by the fact that I had a really limited money mindset and I didn't want to build a business. I didn't want to hustle for business. I was quite comfortable, which is, you know, I wanted to stay in my comfort zone, but my passion for training women, because I saw so much of the pain was what led me to say, all right, fine, I will learn how to build a business. And so, um, you know, four years ago, um, it kind of went all in on it. And I, you know, for making no money, made our first million in the first year. And I will tell you, hands down, it's who you become in the process. And it's never about the money. And you can mm. see the greatest reward is who you become. The 
that you know the the money and and sort of the concept of building a business is really a bait to become your higher and and better self because especially as an entrepreneur, you don't have a choice, but to train yourself. I can't make excuses that I have eight kids to not get up in the morning. I can't mm. make excuses to not take care of my mental health or physical health. I cannot make excuses for myself. So to me, it's, it's about training ourselves on a daily basis. That's what you're doing. You're teaching people to, to train themselves on a daily basis. And, um, so that's, I would say, the gift that I was able to receive was somebody said, let's train you. And I just sort of went on that track. And so I'm very passionate about it. I'm very passionate about um, training women. And but I've become passionate about the importance of wealth mm. so that you can give more of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I would say I was on the opposite side of that spectrum where I wanted no, I wanted no money. I hated the idea of money. Money was evil to now we need a lot of money and we need good people to use money for the good. Mm. Wow. So many gems already, January. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it, it's so crazy. You, you mentioned wealth and I truly believe, especially nowadays, like it, it's almost like the million it's just fading, right? Like, uh, I think the new million is probably 10 million nowadays, yep. but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that's the concept of the million dollar hustle. It's like, even how can you make your fifth, your first 50,000, your first a hundred thousand, uh, it it takes a certain person to get to that point and you, and above that. Right. And you mentioned wealth, which is, uh, amazing. I truly believe that once you make it to that million dollar hustle, right. That milestone, then I, I truly believe you can start building wealth from there. Uh, and the second, third and fourth and 10 will be a little bit easier. Right. So, uh, you, and with that being said, I mentioned that to say, you mentioned, uh, it's who you become. And, and that is literally what this uh, show is about is, um, who do you become in that hustle, uh, to get to that million dollar mark? So can you explain a little bit, uh, a little more into that? Uh, because I feel like that's, that's huge. Uh, who you become is very important, not just, uh, the money, but who you become. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to share my personal experience, I was not dreaming in a way that I think I knew how. So I needed to learn how to dream and be a woman of vision. Mm. And um, I needed to be so focused and disciplined with my mind and my time. I need, in order to achieve the things I wanted to achieve, the idea to me is that, you know, behind that millionaire mindset, is a disciplined man and woman because you really can't achieve those things without first disciplining yourself. And you pay the price of who you become. To me, the greatest reward is not the million dollars, but looking at kind of like your experiences and the hustle and the failure and the getting up and the fighting yourself and fighting other people and not being worried about what people think. And I mean, the resilience that comes with a million dollar mind is so profound because it's the foundation for many, you know, the next season or the next wall, the next venture. Um, when I look back in my life, Billy, I think I remember when I, when I honestly, like somebody said, Oh, January, you just crossed a million dollars. Like, you know, like our finance. And I remember thinking like, it was even no longer that much. Like it was a, that's great. But like how many people we have served was what the most rewarding thing, because Mm. It's really about, you know, Tony Robbins says 
you want to make a million dollars, serve a million people. And it was sort of looking at, oh, oh, wow. Imagine what it would be like to serve 10 million, you know, 20 million, 30 million. And so um, what I also want to convey is that it's not just about the achievement. It's about the journey. So what I mean by that is what if I make a million dollars and my marriage is falling apart, my kids don't are not disciplined, that I've lost myself in the process, I won't enjoy the million and 10 million, 100 million, whatever the number is. You don't actually taste the joy of the journey if we are so hyper-focused on the destination, we forget who we are in the moment. So that's why I think it's who you become. And when you're focused on becoming that the journey of your everyday interior work becomes so nourishing because, you know, you're not, you cannot be the same woman in order to achieve the things that you want to achieve. You you know, I say Mm. you can't, you can't achieve what you want to achieve with the same mindset and skill set. You have to discipline yourself way up. And that to me is the hustle. Mm. Love it. And there's this, uh, I read it on Instagram or somewhere, like it, it just said hustle to inspire. And I feel like that's once you get to that point, it's like, that's literally what that means to me now is like, I just hustle to inspire. So I, I love that. Um, and I want to, b- before we kind of move on, um, I know at 16 years of age, Jenner, you had some things that went down in your life. If you could talk about that, because I think it's very important, me being a father of two two girls that are uh, 15 and about to be 12. Uh, I think it's very important for uh, women to hear this message and parents that have women uh, to hear yeah. this message. You mean my abortion story? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Um, thank you. If some people ask me, some people get uncomfortable. So I obviously it's a, it's a public knowledge. So and real quick, I will say yeah. uh, you, you mentioned uncomfortable and it's funny because I wrote the book, the power of being uncomfortable, which I have a question to ask you later, but yeah the whole point of this is like, I love having uncomfortable conversations. And I think it's important to have uncomfortable conversations with your family, with friends, because that's growth. So thanks for mentioning that. (laughs) I love it. No, I love it. That's where the growth happens. And I don't think any other way. So um, I was a good kid who had no concept of standards of the kind of relationship I want, who I wanted. It was your typical high school scenario where you like a boy and maybe you go on a dating relationship with a boy, no guidance. And so I was in a relationship that I didn't want to be in. It was my only relationship, you know, and I wanted to break up with him. I didn't know how to break up with him. I didn't know how to say no. I had no concept of what boundaries were. And in the process, I got pregnant and I had no faith. Nobody got, and my parents didn't know. And I went to my guidance counselor and said, January, you're the president of the school. You've got a future ahead of you then you have to have an abortion, you know? And so I I really didn't know what my choices were. I I felt like I wish somebody would have guided me prior to some of the things that I did. And that's why I'm so passionate about training because we are often blamed and shamed for the choices nobody taught us how to make. I was a good kid who didn't know how to choose what was my highest good and fell into the trap, which led to a lot of depression and anxiety in my life because I didn't, you know, I, I had, I had an abortion at 16 and three months later, I get pregnant with the same guy and had my second abortion. And to be honest, I was a walking zombie. And I think it was symptomatic of me not knowing my value, to be honest. I mean, there was a lot mm. of things at play. Um, 
So I'm passionate about women knowing women knowing their worth because we compromise ourselves in things that we might not want to do because we don't know our value. Maybe I didn't, I was afraid to break up. Maybe, you know, all these different things that your 16 year old mind, but I think God can make good of all the things that can happen for us. And so to me, in some ways, it was the beginning of me saying, who am I? Why? Like, what's, what's my worth? Like it was sort of a really hard, painful thing for me to walk through because I wasn't prepared to actually protect my worth. So, you know, as a father, as a mother, like we have to equip our children to know their value, that their value is unconditional. It's not based on what a boy thinks of them or what their friend thinks of them. Like that has got to be one of the most important gifts we can give our children is to know their worth and to protect their worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but to me, because of what I've endured and I respect women who have different beliefs. Maybe they're not pro-life, pro-choice, whatever. It's not even about that. It's about knowing your value. And I can't force people to believe certain things. I believe, I always tell people, I'm like, stop this agendas, you know, put all these political, you know, boundaries. I'm like, just focus on the one person and focus on that individual story. And my story was that it wounded me. My story was that it brought me to a place where I doubted who I was and, but it was probably also the best thing that happened to me, Billy, to be honest, because it was the beginning of me no longer starting to live in a fluff. And I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted something more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my story and why I'm passionate about training women so that they know how to make choices in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that I, I love that you include that in your bio because uh, it, it's a very important and, and there's so many people generally that just hide behind the scars that we've had. And it's like, that's the worst thing you could do. Like, let it be known. Right. So I love that you you share that uh, publicly because I truly believe that from there, a lot of people gravitate. I gravitated towards it. Right. Like they they put themselves in that situation somehow, some way me having daughters. Yo, we'll be right back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle podcast. Before we continue, I want you to go grab a copy of my book, The Power of Being Uncomfortable. It is out on Amazon. It is out on Barnes and Noble, Walmart.com, Target.com and everywhere else books are available. The great news, guys, is you could go to BillyTheKid.com and grab an autographed copy. That is right. I'm going to mail you an autographed copy right now. Audiobook is also available on Audible and everywhere else audiobooks are available. So go listen to it. Go grab yourself an autographed copy and I'll see you on the other side, baby. And now back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast. I I asked that question to kind of follow up with uh, you mentioned uh, there's so many great things you've mentioned, but uh, you you de- you mentioned discipline discipline with our kids. You mentioned guidance, um, and I know you are very heavy. And I want to say that's I, I I mean there's a lot of favorite things actually, but mm-hmm. like that's one of my favorite things that stuck to me uh, with with everything that you do is you're very passionate about that. So I, I we've strive our best to to be the best parents we can be, right? But nobody's perfect, of course. So I would love to hear. Uh, what are what are some some things that are actions that people can take out there? Uh, because I've seen the good kids, I've seen the bad kids, right? Quote unquote bad, where it's like you're just using please and thank you, right? Like uh, just a simple thing. So if you could elaborate a little bit about that, yeah. Um, I think an undisciplined child 
creates a hard life for them. And what do I mean by that? If a child doesn't know how to speak kindly or to make their bed or to not make fun of people, I think they're going to, it's going to, it's going to be a hard life because who wants to be around people who are full of themselves? So they grow up sort of like almost whatever I want entitled. So to me, a disciplined life or helps create an infrastructure of becoming who you are created to be. So I'm just sort of giving you the framework. So that's sort of my logic behind it is that I am passionate about discipline in my own home because when they go out of our own home and they haven't developed a habit of discipline, what, you know, to do the things that they want to do or to honor what they say they were going to do, then they are going to suffer for it. Hmm. Secondly, they're not going to fulfill who they were created to be or what their dreams are, because you know, that in order to do the work that you have to do to, to you know, to fulfill two million dollars, you need to be disciplined. So that's sort of my 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 umbrella behind it. And I tell my children all the time: if I don't develop you to be a disciplined child, I've got a fifteen year old son. You're gonna suffer. I sell them on discipline. I literally paint the picture for them and say: I know you don't want to do this. You don't want to make your bed. You don't want to write your scripts or whatever it is. But if I don't do it, you, it's going to be a hard life for you in the future. And wow. so I'm constantly connecting the dots for them that an undisciplined life will rob them of the dreams they have. So that's sort mm-hmm. of number one. And you're constantly having this conversation. And for me, I've got eight children. So my conversation with my you know six-year-old is the same concept, but looks different with my 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Like, it's like you know like speaking different language, you know. So so that's an umbrella. Um, what do I do? We do mindset training for the children. Ryan and my husband um really sits down with them, you know, three, four times in the in the morning before they go to school and we'll put on a goal cast video, we'll put on something, we'll have a discussion about it. And it's so real, Billy. Like I have a two-year-old and a three-year-old, it's like jumping around in the morning, getting out the door, but I'm like, we'll just get the nuggets. Um and it's just a seed planet. So that's one we do. Scripting is huge. Scripts are so powerful because we get ourselves into trouble because we don't know what to say to ourselves and to other people. So a script is mm. a proactive approach to managing our mind, managing our communication. So, you know, <laughs> they like end up fighting with each other. I'm like, oh, we need a script conversation, how to talk to each other, you know, or when my children feel like, um, you know, somebody's making fun of them or something, I will give them a script and they need to write it out a hundred times. Um, so to me, why, you know, writing is wiring. So we'll do mindset training, we'll do scripting. Um, and I really hound on the fact that you have a contribution in the house. Like I, I'm not, a, you, this is not a rental space, you know, and this is not like, what's your contribution for the day? Like, okay, mom, I'm going out to the basketball game or whatever, the friends. I'm like, okay, have you contributed to the house? So those things, I really try to, as much as possible, give them opportunities for work, which is not always actually, we live in a very convenient world. So it's mm. not like they have to go out and get water or like, yeah. you know, yeah. plow the field. So um, it's finding work for them that makes them feel valuable. That's really important, like valuable work that they see that it's contributing to the home. Um, And I think um, for us, it's um, learning to create infrastructure with a family. Like 
No, it's family time. It's conversation time. Mm. Um, it's, you know, there's no phones, there's no whatever technology. So it's always strategizing and how to create an infrastructure where we are creating a wholesome environment for a life of discipline. So it's, it's a work, it's a work in progress all the time, Billy. And with eight, I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a lot busy, of things, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's Love a great, it. it's a great busy. Mm -hmm. It keeps me on yeah. toes. But I think the most important thing I'm going to say is that you can't tell your children to be disciplined if you're not disciplined, period. Mm. Wow. It's never wow. what you tell them. It's what they see. So when I tell them, go chase their dreams, they see me hustle for the dreams. They see me write the book. They see me fail when I first wrote the book. They see me, you know, get the bestseller after I've written the second copy. And I mean, they saw my frustration. So they get to walk that. They see, mm -hmm. they have to say like, you know, if I am not a woman of my word, they are not going to be a woman of their word. If I mm -hmm. tell myself I'm going to work on and I don't, they're going to hold me to it. And my kids are mm -hmm. so good at holding me to it because I teach them and they're like, mom, I'm just holding you accountable. Mom. Wow. You're not, you know, I mean, literally my son, I was last month and literally sat me down and says, mom, I really think that you need to work on your boundaries with rock. This is my three-year-old who's so cute. Like it's hard to say no. And they like, they're like the first person to like hold me accountable. And so creating that infrastructure of wholeness is, is the other thing where, when are you exercising? What are you putting in your body? What are you eating? Do you know how to say no? What kind of friendship do you have? teaching them a money mindset, the importance of their environment, their room, the importance of an, our environment at home, that it's ordered. So, I mean, we're really looking at the whole wheel, if you saw. And so teaching my children the importance of every part, not by training them, by, by creating that infrastructure in the house so that they live a life of wholeness, you know, through layers of discipline. So anyways, it's all kind of Wow. No, that I, I can't, <laughs> a lot of like, your work. <laughs> I, I took, I took, yeah. And I took some notes and I'm like, I can't wait to listen to it myself. Uh, so it, it's so crazy. I couldn't help but think, uh, at one point I, I I'm from El Salvador and my grandma rest in peace. Uh, I remember when my mom left us with my grandma to come to the U S to pursue a better life, right? The American dream. Um, she, my mom, almost got mad that my grandma, if I wanted a banana, like if I'm like, grandma, I want a banana. She would literally be like, okay, we'll go sweep over there. Right. Like go do this first. And I think now looking back, that was like a very massive, uh, uh, action that she had me do because nowadays that's how I look at it. It's like, let's do the work and then we'll get rewarded later. And, and so I couldn't help, but think that with you saying that, I don't know if you have something to elaborate on that. Well, uh, first of all, congratulations on your grandma. And it's amazing that you remember that, you know, like that stood out to you because mm -hmm. in here as, as a parent, because we often don't know what stands out. And I'll say this for an immigrant family, we want our children to have so much that we almost don't let them work, mm. you know, like. Because you you are so excited to to give them this American dream and American world and like I don't think that I necessarily I saw my parents work hard but they gave me a lot of things that I didn't have to work for and obviously I'm grateful for it but I felt like in some ways it it made me an entitled child mm. and it wasn't their fault it was because they came from an immigrant background like your mom's right like you want to give them the best like they've you know, work for it. So I don't think it's their fault. It's just that 
we live in a world where it's easy to be entitled because things are handed to us. How have you dealt generally with uh, the parenting thing as far as like, you know, because there's a lot of instances where I think of my mom's parenting, right? Where I'm like, man, I wish I knew this, right? Like since then. And, And obviously we have to honor our parents at the end of the day, right? But how do you deal with that? Uh, and to kind of, how did you heal from that? Cause with me, it's like, okay, just honoring them no matter what is kind of how I healed myself because at the end they don't know what they don't know. Right. So, uh, and, and it's such a, it's a hard, it's a tough thing to swallow with the path that we've chosen to become better. Uh, but, uh, if you could elaborate on that. Yeah. Um, I think the way I, I've looked at it, whether it's wrong or right is I've studied what the good that that they did and the the not so good and really built life by design from it uh because some of the pain that i've endured was a gift to me because i'm seeing now where i could really invest in myself let me give you an example my parents had a very rough marriage um they were divorced at 29 but i saw how difficult their marriage was um, and because they were building a business together, which is part of the reason why I said I never want to be in business <laughs> because I never want to have a bad marriage because I was that little girl who's like, you know, what if you really could be in love forever, you know? And so I spent so much of my, you know, I would say I didn't date anybody, Billy, till after, my, you know, that guy that I broke up with at 16 or 17 by that time, really till Ryan, I spent so many years really saying, I don't want to have what they have. What do I need to do to have what I want? I I studied couples. I remember I saved up money so I could nanny, babysit for this couple just so I could study their marriage. Wow! I was such a student. I remember thinking, who do I? I remember going to my mentor and saying, okay, I really just want a great relationship. Like I didn't see that. I never knew what a great relationship was. And I remember meeting my friend's friend. I was like, you're not in love. Like their parents are not in love. Like that's not real. And but I was so intrigued that I remember going to my mentor and saying, I think I know what I want in a guy. You know, I, I don't know how old I was, I'm mean, 20 or whatever. And I remember writing a list of everything I want. And he he asked me, he said, write that list. And so I was this giddy. I wrote my list of everything I want in a guy. And I remember sitting down in front of him and I handed him that list. He's like, he didn't even look at it. He's like, January, what is love? And, you know, it's like his love, love isn't just about receiving. It's all, it's about giving. So I want you to first become this woman mm. so you can get this guy. Didn't look at it. And I felt like, oh my gosh, like kind of like that woman who was so giddy going in there and finally like excited about, oh, maybe you know somebody, you know, that you could, but it was, no, you need to become this woman in order to achieve wow. that guy. So the pain that I saw so much from growing up has become the wounds become your compass towards your contribution. That's what I say all the time. And so that became the compass to me saying, what kind of a marriage do I want? What kind of woman do I need to become? And still becomes a fuel. And, you know, 17 years later in marriage, we are still so in love, Billy. And, you know, I have the deepest utmost respect for my husband and he, you know, adores me and admires me and I think that is born out of my own wound that I'm constantly investing in who I need to become so that I can have a marriage that is thriving amidst eight children, building a business together in 17 years. And I truly believe that it's not just possible. It's what our heart longs for. Like we want to be inspired. We want to be in love. And I think that I wouldn't have that passion had I not seen that wound from my parents. So I'm very grateful. 
Wow. Yeah. So true. And yeah, because I, I've done that too the other day. Uh, it, it's been, it, I've thought about this constantly, but the last time I thought of it, it's been a couple of weeks ago where uh, I even thanked my mom. I was like, Hey, you know what, mom, thanks for telling me that everything was possible. Thanks for telling me that I was You know, that drawing I did, it wasn't the best, but you were like, Oh my God, that's the best drawing. And those are the things I feel like were worth more than anything else. Right. Cause it made me believe from a young age, like, Oh, wow, I could do anything. Wow. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it, it, like everything else kind of went out the window after I think of that. So love it. That, that was amazing. Uh, you mentioned great relationship. Um, it will say top three or top five or top 10, however you feel, uh, what are some things that you would, uh, give our audience, myself, everybody listening, uh, for a good relationship because 17 years. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Especially yeah. after the battles that you've had. Yeah. Um, you mean what we do? Okay. So I think number one, we, and we really dream together. And what I mean by that, it's pen to paper. We touch mm. the dream. Uh, that's something that we did a second half of our marriage and it really changed the game. So, uh, we, you know, it was it was hard to get there at first because we didn't know what dreaming was. You know, you're told to dream, but never shown how to dream. So I would say dream together. Uh, number two, we are very intentional about designing every part of our life. We look at the wheel and say, okay, what's our friendship look like? What does our wealth look like? What does our home like look like? I mean, just the other day on our date night, we literally looked at our each our children and we wrote it out in like a box. I'm like, what are the three compliments we need to have with our children? So it's very intentional. Like we really kind of say, okay, how can we make sure we honor this child? So we, we're very strategic about every part of our life um, and designing it with greater intention. Um, date night for 17 years, it's sacred. Every Friday night, our children knows. it's We don't really miss it unless there's something that's happened. So, you know, I could be writing a book. I could be in the middle of something. It's like date night is date night. As a matter of fact, <laughs> Billy at the Crate Conference. So, you know, we had our, our coaches there. We had a great event. I mean, it was just, you know, because because we also had our, our coaches go in to the Crate Conferences. It was very busy. But Ryan and I snuck a date. <laughs> it was like literally 30 at night or I don't know. Wow. It was night, like everything was closing. That. And we're like, let's just fine. So those are, are I think, um, I just think that's very important. Um, I think it's very important to admire that person, what do I mean by that? I think we need to um, be very intentional about being a man or woman of inspiration and investing in our own growth to inspire each other. So what I mean by that, like Ryan's always growing. I'm always sort of investing in myself. Like the woman he knows, he knew three months ago is a different woman than is now. So we're always studying. Like that's part of our life. Like as a matter of fact, it was so funny. We're literally going through a training video that you know, something we're learning. And like, it was like a zoo. We have this huge um, van because obviously eight kids with, um, it's like one of those sprinter vans that you can stand. And it's like comical. It's like literally kids singing. So he's got the earphones and baby crying and we're like studying and we're like, we love it. This is like life integrated. You know, we can't get out of study mode and learning mode because we've got eight kids and we could just, you know. So I think, being a student is is key. I think that's number four. Um, uh, gosh, I would say number five is very intentional about boundaries. Uh, what I mean by that, um, we need to, we don't squander our time with just a lot of hanging out. Um, we're very intentional with the kind of friends that we really surround ourselves with. There's not a lot of time for that. So when we do, it's like, 
the the friendships are rich and the conversation are rich because there isn't a lot of time, but also we want to make sure that we're in, in a, in a, in a relationship with other people that are also growing together and dreaming together. Um, what's another one? Respect is huge. What I mean by that, it's like, um, there's hard conversations. The reality is that like, we are building a business together. Like it's not a walk in the park. There's a lot of decisions I need to make. You know, you're always constantly, but how we talk to each other is so crucial. So the language that we use with each other has to be very vigilant. Like you, there's no room for, like you never make fun of each other. You never like belittle each other. So you're very vigilant about the choice of words because words become flesh and when words cut deep, it's not word, you know, this idea of sticks and bones, they hurt. Um, so wow, we reflect on the language that we use and I'm very careful of, you know, the words that we use. Um, staying very faithful is so important. What I mean by that faithful in our words, faithful in the way we talk about each other. There's a lot of it's easy to be emotionally connected with other people in a relationship because we live in an internet world. So we're very vigilant in making sure that there's no ever doubt for like, there's just never a doubt for, for unfaithfulness, you know, like mm-hmm. my relationship, everything that I have, Ryan is aware of. There's never a seed of doubt for anyone. Cause then once a seed of doubt is there, um, let me give you an example. And this is a, when I was, when we were first um, dating, I know, uh, I'm going to be this fast. And I know we first married, um, Ryan didn't understand like the importance of not looking at other women. Like, I mean, he did, but it was like, not a big deal. It's just, what's the big deal? You just, you know, there's a, this image of a woman that's like half naked, whatever. It wasn't a big deal. And I remember looking to him, I said, my parents had a very hard marriage that hurt me. And you know, as we got into our marriage, I remember Ryan would literally just look away. Like if there's inappropriate images and I was like, you're doing that on purpose. He's like, because I love you and I know you're wound. So in our marriage, he really has this custody of his eyes in the very little things, because that's where those doubts happen. You know, like you can't, you can't like just make that little, like, I just know he's so faithful. Even his eyes are faithful. So those little things matter, Billy. I'm like having so much fun. FYI. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too, Billy. I love it. I love rich conversations. I love yes. challenging conversation. There's no time for fluff. And so even I looked at your Instagram, I'm like, we're going to go deep. That's what is, that's what the world is hungry for is depth. Seriously. Yeah, no, I love that. And uh, I'm just going to, jump right in i mean though you you gave us seven like amazing points uh and uh there there's a few that i would like to even just touch off of that because they're <laughs> wow <laughs> they're, i never they're listed just, it uh... out to be honest with you so i'm like oh great this is a great homework <laughs> seriously no th- this was like an amazing list uh and you were just freestyling which you know your stuff so uh so i again there's so many that i'm like I know I have questions for each one. Um, the the overall question that I I do have though is um, in a relationship, how does because uh as a coach I've seen this um, uh and just not not even just as a coach like with my my clients but like in general me being a student right like observing everything and just the people around and just being a student overall uh 
what how can so, like the relationship uh grow uh when it, whether it's a marriage or and we'll say marriage uh when with expectations we'll say because i feel like uh one expects one thing the other and uh at the end it's like just say what it is right so uh i'm gonna let you have the floor on that because i think that's a very important uh topic you mean there's a different expectations for both yeah, yeah, to where it's like, oh, uh, I was expecting this on Valentine's Day or because it was just Valentine's or or whatever, right? Like, uh, what what are some uh, actions that somebody can take in their marriage to kind of equal that out? I hope I'm understanding your question correctly. Um, when you the expectations are not met, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. I think this is where upskilling our communication is very important. What I mean by that is, Sometimes we just don't know how to communicate what we're expecting. This is why I think studying together is so key because what happens is that there's an actual shared language when you're studying the same thing. So the expectation when sometimes gets colluded because we're speaking almost a different language. Mm-hmm. And so I think if that answers your question, reading something together, learning something together, almost creates a new language together. But, you know, the expectation, we have to ask for what we want. Um, There's that part, like you can't assume somebody knows. The second thing is um, we have to know our partner's, well, uh, like language. Like if, if your wife wants a surprise, you should really take the time to think about that you know, and, or vice versa, or likes notes or something. Um, I think a lot of expectations get kind of muddy because we are just not speaking the same language. Um, and that's why I think growth together is so key. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, when you're designing your life together, a lot of the expectation that kind of are, like, I didn't expect that almost dissipates here's what yeah. i mean you're wow. like designing your friendship designing your marriage designing your vacation you're designing your family life like all that expectation is sort of a reaction because it was not ever an intentional design of how you wanted every part of your life so there's a lot more drama when you're not intentionally designing your life because you're just reacting oh you didn't do this but if you knew in our home in our marriage is date night in our marriage I expect you that on anniversary you know Every other year, that's who somebody plans out. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. there's a very clear strategic way of living your life. So you're not living by default. You're living by design. And I just think those expectations become almost, uh, it's not not irrelevant, but they're just Mm add-ons. Because you have the blueprint of your life together. To me, that is probably the one thing that Ryan and I are constantly is that we're just constantly designing our life. But it's never like a one and done design. You know, you're constantly tweaking and adding. It's like business. You know, you have to yeah. just think about sales and not think about marketing and not think about your operations. You kind of have to think about it all together. Mm-hmm. And you have to design it together and redesign it. And so that's sort of the same thing, I think, with as a couple is to look at every part of your life together. You know, because I see this, like, I don't actually like the friends that you have or, you know, like a, a wife goes or the husband, right? Now, instead of saying that, what if we design the kind of friendships we ought to have that is in alignment with our highest good. So now you're not like, I don't like this friend. You've designed a life where you're like, we need to be friends with people that are blah, 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 blah. 
that are living quality lives, that are intentional about their marriage, whatever. So now that takes away all those things that are avoidable if you've just designed your life together. Wow. I love that. And and it's so true. You you made a point too that once you get to a certain point, once you that growth has happened, regardless, all those things become easier. And either way, the expectations almost die down because yeah. you kind of know. So I love that. Wow. Um, and you mentioned friends. Uh, that's a, a very you, you had to take a take a sip of your coffee <laughs> of your tea for that one. <laughs> um, <Coffee. laughs> um, and uh, because I, I think so. I've in in my position, I, I've definitely the growth, right? Like the, the, there's going to be a gap regardless. And, and certain people, it's like it, you could love them from a distance and all that. But I would love to hear your point because um and and it's literally it's so true you mentioned uh doing it together and and i've caught myself uh or me and my wife doing that uh the last couple of years i would say uh so it's uh i love that so if you could give us some game on on uh just uh friends overall like we'll be right before back. we continue go subscribe to billy the kid youtube that is billy d-h-a-k-i-d also go follow billy the kid music on spotify pandora apple music and everywhere else music is available and now back to this great episode let's go i'm hopping out the two though we're number two four feel like kobe though i'm winning need to do more my mama sorry college wasn't for me Street smart, no degree, just like Kobe. Self-made boss with a suit like a mogul. I'm the new era. You see it on my logo. Yeah, so I think in life is about attachment, detachment. What do I mean by that? It means that first we're attached in our mother's womb and then we detach. And then we're attached as a baby and then we detach. I think friendship is the same. I, I, I think that we sometimes get attached to our friendship without clarity of the purpose of friendship. So what is friendship? Friendship is a commitment in the journey of life to holding us accountable, to becoming who we're created to be. But that means that some friends could go certain seasons, some friends could leave the same season because we, um, when we go to that next journey in your life, you know, like, let's just say, let's just put some monetary number in there just for, for example's sake, is that maybe you wanted to make a thousand dollars a month and that was, you know, college, whatever. And you want to be with your friends, you surround other people, but then maybe you realize, you know, I'm called to be, I don't know, a teacher and I want to make $40,000. Maybe your friend's called to be an entrepreneur. Maybe your friend's called to be in sports. What's my point? We have to respect that everybody's a unique and irreplaceable call and that our role in that specific friendship is to contribute to who they need to become in that particular moment. But then we have to be able to be ready to also detach as we grow into the next season of our life. And if we have that right mindset and expectation of friendship, we're not holding into unreasonable friendships because what we're trying because we could hold them back to the next season of growth in their life because we're so attached to their friends. But I think that has to start with our expectation of what is a friend? What's the purpose of friendship? So we're not upset, have false expectations of friend, or when our friends actually get mad at us because we're not quite there for them. Like we set the tone and the tone is that we, we want to be able to have friendship that help us to become who we're created to be in that particular season. And that means that we need to let go of certain friends. Mm. So once again, it's strategically designing what kind of friends do you need in this particular season of your life? But I will say too, Billy, is that once we live with that level of standard, we train our friends to also have that level of standard. 
Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? They're not, they know that what they get out of you is depth and meaning and great conversation, but they're not like, oh my gosh, I need to make sure that I'm with you every single step of the way. Or why did you, why are you not that, that, that friend anymore? Like we say, you know what? I'm grateful for the gift of, of that season in our life. And I, I wish you well. And I'd love to chat with you. I, I don't have all the many, you know, I don't have all of the hours of day, but when we get together, it's great. So I think clarity of expectation and retraining that standard to the kind of friendship we have and having that purity of heart where we're like, I wish you well, I just can't always be there for you at this season. That's not part of my call. And to be okay with that. Mm. Wow. Whew. Fire, fire. <laughs> uh and you you mentioned uh the never belittle each other. I, I again I'm still looking at these points that you had. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think that's such, you mentioned how important words are and even just for ourselves, like just speaking to ourselves, right? So if you could elaborate a little more on that, because I, I think that's a massive one that uh there's so much to go <laughs> to, that can go along with that. So if you could elaborate a little more. Yeah. This one skill alone could actually change the quality of our life forever. Like just that one, which is how to use language. So the foundation is that words become flesh, because if I tell you, blah, 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 what goes into your mind, Billy? Nothing. What is that? But if I say a fridge, you see the image of a fridge. Mm. If I say a mess, if I say a million dollars, words are attached to images in our brain and images are powerful. So I think the concept of understanding how powerful words are is a very important learning. Like my children, they know the words you use are not little. And I am on it like white on rice with my kids on how they talk to each other, how they speak about each other, how they talk to each other, because it's a foundation actually how they talk to themselves. Mm. So um, I think the rule is that we use language of hope and not of harm. And it it's creating a new vocabulary. So what I mean by that, if I say, um, oh, I'm just such a hot mess, what do I see? My reticular activated that part of my brain that actually helps me expand what I focus on literally underneath our hippocampus is I'm going to see a hot mess mom. Or if I say, you know what? It's just a bit of a dance party. I just need to learn upscale. It's different. It's like, okay, it's a bump on the road. So it's creating a new language in my house. I like we, you know, in our school, the wholeness school, the first thing that people will notice is there's a whole new language. Literally, we've developed literally language so that we create a language where we have hopeful language and not harmful language. So that's, I would say a very important um, awareness. So creating a language. And the second thing is being hyper aware that the language you're using underneath your breath, when you speak out loud, really being vigilant and saying, does that build people up, build me up, or does that tear it down? I mean, I, it's, it's really challenging here for teenagers because we live in a world where there's sarcasm, there's a lot of sarcasm as teenagers, a lot of making fun of people as a norm that we don't even have a concept of the sacredness of the human person. Like it, and you know, it, it, sometimes it's not a big deal, but sometimes it is a big deal, even though it's so little, like my kids were like, mom, why are you making a big deal out of it? I said, because it's somebody's emotion. It should be a big deal. So being very vigilant in the words that we use, and this goes into like relationship, 
like in marriage or couples or like, you can't just say whatever you want to say just because you think you want to say it. Mm. You've got to really think of the ripple impact of your words and saying, you can't just be like, you're a, you know, a curse word, whatever, like that has impact. So I would say creating a standard of sacredness in the words that we use develops a quality human being in a quality relationship, because that's what we use to have relationship. You know, um, it's a, it's a words I use with my children. It's used with my relationship. So choosing language is so key. Mm-hmm. Now, the third part is 7% are words, 38% tonality, 55% body language. So I'll, you know, my kid, my kids were saying, I did say, I'm sorry. I said, you said, I'm sorry with your 7% words, but your tonality, your 38 and 55% is not sorry. Mm. You know? So understanding that the words that we use are only 7% and being so vigilant and saying the words that we use, but then how do I say it? Yeah. Um, Because ultimately how we make people feel is really the opportunity for us to create impact, how we make people feel. You won't, we, we, you know, what I would say in the podcast, they won't remember what we say, but they'll remember how we made us, made them feel. And so the same thing with the words that we're using is that how are we making each other feel with a choice of words that we're using? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we need greater accountability in our world today because everybody just kind of says whatever they want to say, especially in the social media world, without being vigilant that that human person has a heart that they get hurt, you know? So um, I think that's what it is. Creating a new language, being vigilant with our words and managing our tonality. Wow. Fire, fire, fire. And uh, so I'm going to be selfish and ask you a question for me, for myself only. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I always try to help everyone that I encounter, right? Like friends, uh, family, and then of course, uh, people even just through my music that follow me or the podcast or the book or any area. Um, when is it okay to basically just say no, right? And and because it's, it's hard for me to say no when I know somebody needs help, but mm-hmm. at the end, it's almost like, oh, I'm just, I feel dragged, right? Like I feel dragged by by uh their language and and uh just energies overall i'm big on energies and um uh, it just sucks because being a son of god like i want to help i i truly do so it's like uh so how do you handle that (laughs) yeah it's a um, great question i think you need to replicate yourself what i mean by this is where business comes in because you really can't um that's what i had to do was when my husband said you want to reach thousands or millions because I just wanted to help every woman. I wanted to help, you know, when somebody was in line in Starbucks and I wasn't serving them when I could only reach one person. So this is where building a business that creates, replicates your training, Billy, is key. So that's sort of selfish. It's like, mm. Billy, you need to replicate yourself and build a foundation of a business so that you can multiply yourself. So that's one aspect because there's there's such a need, Right. For people mm-hmm. like you who have a profound, generous heart to help and to be able to multiply that because we only have 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So um, to me, that was the burden I actually had to carry was I can't be all to all. How can we multiply? Not me, but the the, the trainings, right? The, the concepts. Um, and secondly, I think... Um, we can't help people who 
don't want to help themselves. What I mean by that is I always say it's like, a, I want to drive by advice. So everybody wants help. And I'm like, listen, I'll, I'm there. But to be honest with you, I'm actually robbing you because if you're not being coached or if you're not training and I'm just giving you a drive by advice, that's just one speck of it, you know, kind of like one part of it. And so it's just a little bit of advice here, a little bit of advice there. And to me, I'm like, no, invest in a coaching program. Like I just tell them, I said, listen, I cannot help you in this particular moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if that answers your question. But yeah. I, and and I, it made me think of another one real quick. Uh, so yeah. there's levels of thinking, right? Like I, I'm big on that. Like, uh, you know, the first level to me is like drifting thinking, like you're just walking around. You don't even know that you could think. Uh, and obviously there goes levels above that. How do you handle uh, those relationships where you know where you're thinking, but then their thinking is below yours? And so there's this thing that happens where it's like they think they know it all. And uh, obviously, you know, even just spiritually or or just the work that you've put in, it's like, no, there's it's more to whatever that argument is. Uh, how do you handle that? You walk away. That's what I, I mean. Uh, to me there's so many fish in the ocean and sometimes we're trying to catch the same fish who's unwilling to be formed. So mm. it's, it's not an easy thing to be honest with you. And we're not always welcome in our own circle. You know, like it's just, Jesus wasn't welcome in his own town. Like, so, <laughs> um, I think we, we need to move to a different ocean and you just can't busy your mind. I think with somebody who's just doesn't want to, you know, like, you know that saying you can't you can put the the horse in the water, but you can't make them drink. That's really mm -hmm. so. I would say the the boundary is I'm not here to you know to let you to force you to to think the way I think. Like good mm -hmm. luck. I need to focus my energy on somebody who actually is hungry for growth. Um, wow, love it. Learning to say no has been one of the biggest I would say learning for me for expansion. I, I, cause I, I too, like you, I just wanted to help every person. I wanted to save every person, but not everybody actually wants to be served. Mm. So I had to say no to myself because I wanted it. It was sort of like, oh, I just want to serve them. I want to help them. Why are they not open? And I'm busy in my mind. And it becomes sort of this um, pride thing for me. It's like, why can't I just help them? You know, I want to be able to serve them. And it's just like, January, just walk away. Like, um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, no, powerful. Yeah. I think no is sometimes, I always say, Jane, you're good to great. I literally tell myself that good to great. Say no to this, no to the good. So you can say yes to the great. Wow. Powerful. Love it. And as much as I hate to wrap it up, January, I know you got the world to change, girl. I, I love you everything that do. you do. So <laughs> I love it. Uh, the, the last segment, I'm going to ask you just a couple of brief questions. Uh, the first one, since I wrote the power of being uncomfortable, mm -hmm. What is one way that you got uncomfortable in life and just whatever one comes to your mind? I know with your story, there's so many different uh, areas, but what is one way that you got uncomfortable that paid off? Oh my gosh, Billy. Um, building a business. People crucified me because I was a mom in a mom's circle. And all of a sudden I was learning how to build a business. It was sort of like, I was so criticized, mm. but now we were in 40 countries um, mm -hmm. speaking um, I, I don't like to speak in public. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I know like even create, it's like, 
I have to get out of my comfort zone. Um, Love it. Writing. I was an immigrant who didn't really learn proper grammar. And if I could do it, you know, I get a bestseller book. Anybody can do it. So I always, you know, that, you know, there's no, no dream is achieved without layers of discomfort. Mm. There, it just isn't. They're just, you know, um, so to me, I'm not afraid of the discomfort. I just don't like the way it feels. <laughs> I like, I know it in my mind, you know, I'm like, oh, I know that yeah. I need to speak. Um, but if anybody there is listening, I love this quote from Vernon Howard, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you hold. I say that all the time because the discomfort and the cave I fear to enter, I know is where the treasure that I want. So whatever is making you feel uncomfortable, it's probably where your greatness is. And that's the quote. It's like, we're not made for comfort. We're made for greatness. Love it. And so great people understand the discomfort of greatness. Mm. Fire, fire. And uh, if you were to look at your younger self, January, and you Mm -hmm. give yourself some piece of advice and this is for wisdom, uh, what would be that piece of advice you would tell your younger self? Gosh, I would have rewired my brain to know that my worth was not based on what people thought of me because I probably would have pursued my dreams sooner. I was held back by what people thought of me. Wow. Fire. Love it. And uh, if there was a three-step formula to success, and this is where the like the million-dollar hustle comes in, it's a book that I'm going to release later where what are the habits, we'll call them, uh, to get to that milestone, right? Like, what, what do you need to do? So what are three steps to success that if you do these three things, you are not going to fail, you're going to be successful, you're going to get to your million-dollar hustle? What are the three okay. steps? I just wrote it. Redefine success. Love <laughs> so it. Let's go. <laughs> I'll tell you, the three things is, number one, we need a dream, clarity in what our dream is. Because dreams are not the same as goals. So being a woman of vision, without a vision, we perish being a man of vision. So really understanding the dream of the season. That's number one. Every season has a different dream for us to pursue so that that's the path to us becoming. Number two, design every part of our life intentionally because what good is achieving the world and losing parts of who you are? Success has to be integrated. And number three, personally develop yourself uh, because your dreams and design that you want behind is behind who you need to become, which means that you need to be training yourself day in and day out. It equals a life of discipline. So I, that's what really what the book is. Those three things. I talk about the how to achieve those three things so that success is not rooted in achievement, rather rooted in fulfillment. Wow. Love it. And uh, the last question is normally if you were to write a book, but uh, uh, it's funny. We also have a, a segment where we ask book of the week and we we were just talking so much fire that we didn't even get to that question. <laughs> but I, I would like to make it uh, redefining your success. Like, it, it, can you talk a little bit about your book real quick uh, and and also let us know where they can where we can find it and we'll make that book of the week for this. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, So redefining success for women, it could also really be for men is really not, not just focusing on achievement, but really the journey. What it, it focuses on how do we design a life that is fulfilling? meaning we feel alive, inspired, grateful. So the book is basically giving you and anybody a blueprint that says achieve the big, bold, brave dreams, Mm. but don't lose yourself 
in the process. Love it. And the way we do that is to design a life that fulfills us, which I always say, what fulfills you and me is different. Everybody's so uniquely created, but Billy, it feels the same. Mm. It feels alive. Mm -hmm. It feels peaceful. And that's what this book is, is that we have to respect that everybody's uniquely created, that what we offer the world is irreplaceable. And that actually is what fulfills us, is to fulfill our commission in this world. Like you were created for this very unique purpose in this very specific, unique you know, time in history to contribute to the people you are to inspire. Like the people you're going to inspire and 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 walk is not going to be ordained for me. What I mean by that is that you have your plot of land that you are to inspire specific certain people, just like I am. But we all have that. So imagine if success was based on a life of generosity and contribution, mm. knowing that what you offer, I cannot and vice versa. So this book is really about living a life of generosity, making our life an act of contribution, because ultimately that's what fulfills us is giving. Wow. Love it. And I'm going to add that, uh, Amazon.com slash Billy the Kid. I'm going to add it to my affiliate link. So those of you who are listening or watching, make sure you guys grab a copy. Powerful. And where can people find you, January? Um, on Instagram. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram and um, January.com, the woman's school. But just follow us on Instagram. That's where we are going to be investing a lot of our time. Um and also on Facebook, but really we're on Instagram a lot and and hopefully TikTok. Oh, Billy, this is like January trying to meet the tech world. And I, you know, this is you want to talk it. about discomfort. I'm like, oh, let me teach like technologies. <laughs> and I just but you have to do what you need to do. So find us on Instagram, give me a message, shoot us, you know. I love the privilege to be able to share this message to the world and have this great conversation. Thank you for your openness, Billy. Thank you for your humility. Thank you for your courage. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful to meet you officially and now even go deeper in this conversation. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, so no, much. thank you. This was uh, amazing. I got some notes to go over and, uh, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to listen to it myself. So I, I truly appreciate it. Is there any other message that you would like to say, or just in general, whatever else you got in mind before we head out? Oh, well, we are going to go into a women's fulfillment workshop. I'm going to go around the country and our dream is to train women to live fulfilling lives. So stay tuned. We're going state per state this year um, and I will be teaching. It's my zone of like, it's where my heart comes alive. I'm a teacher at heart. So I'll be doing a workshop around the country and teaching them how to design a fulfilling life. So um you're in Nebraska. I don't know. Mm -hmm. if we're, I don't, we, we're going around the country and we're sort of planning this out. So would love Let to me see know. you. Let me know. Join us. Um, but yeah, this is really a movement of heart. So we're excited. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again, January. Uh, I truly appreciate it. This has been amazing. Uh, I Our hope is just uh, at least one person that listens to this that will take action, right? So uh, I love it. Uh, Everybody listening, make sure you guys uh, screenshot wherever it is that you're listening and tag her, tag me, and we will reshare it as well. So with that being said, I'll see you guys on the next episode. Vamonos. And some don't like that. They hate that they see you smile. As if I haven't been hustling, it's been a while. Gotta put in the work if you want to shine. I want it all and I'm coming.
coming for what's mine Some call me greedy, bitch I call it ambition Some call me selfish, bitch I call it motivation Different levels of thinking and we both right But, but, but my mindset is on growth with the future right Those minded people mad at me that I'm speaking facts Maybe could it be that I'm getting racks? Open your mind, gotta open it to receive. I'm always ten toes for what I believe. Those minded people. Mad-